This is Kamkunji, a podcast series by Errant Praxis. Hi, my name is Patiana Harif in Cabo Verde. Today I'll be speaking with Sean Anderson, Associate Curator at the Department of Architecture and Design at the Museum of Modern Art in New York. Sean is trained as an architect and has a PhD in art history. The title of today's episode is Curating for Against the Institution. As the title indicates, I would like to discuss the complex uh, relationship between the curator and the institution with the understanding or the rec recognizing that curating could be a critical and political practice that sometimes collides with uh, the legacies inherited in a lot of these institutions. So Sean, perhaps you could share a little bit of your experience and speak about this relationship, this very complex relationship between the curator in the institution. Thank you, Patti. It's uh, great to be talking with you today. And I think to start, I come from a background, of, as you mentioned, of both being an architect as well as being historian and art and architecture historian. And had I perhaps been told early on in my professional or scholarly careers that curating architecture was a possibility, I think I perhaps knew of it implicitly through the likes of having gone to the Museum of Modern Art many times in the past. But for myself, uh, as a thinker and as, as a practitioner, I never imagined myself doing this until I applied for the job uh, at, at MoMA. And in the process of this application, which took a period of several months in which these conversations started transpiring between myself and various members of the museum administration, I realized very quickly that this is something that I should have been doing all along. In fact, I would say that it was one of the first times in my life in which what I was thinking of doing and what I was thinking of the institution and was looking at my own work all made sense. It all coalesced around core ideas that I have always maintained, especially when I was teaching. And so these ideas are that, on one hand, like educational institutions, such as universities and other schools, museums, too, have a very specific kind of role to play. And that role is fundamentally extended, augmented, intensified, if you will, through the very people that are performing or working within the institution. So that's a kind of prehistory to my entering into this museum. This is kind of my prehistory to entering into the museum. And I feel on one hand, Uh, initially, I didn't feel burdened by the history or the legacy of the stories of the institution, as some might feel, and I still don't feel burdened by them. I think, in, in effect, these legacies are there for us to mine and to come to terms with and respond to in certain cases. Now, this kind of notion didn't necessarily come immediately, but it took It took some time 
initially for me to understand that first that this is an institution that has very particular kinds of dynamics. It has very particular kinds of hierarchies and processes for not only making an exhibition, but also even presenting or considering what an exhibition could be. I also would say that one of the most important things is that as institution, any institution is made up of its people at all scales and at all levels. And far different, I would say, from an educational institution, museums are fundamentally based on cooperation, on sharing, and sharing ideas, and being transparent about ideas. Uh, this was a great revelation to me, coming from a university system in which none of that really happened, although the rhetoric was there that that was the way in which we were supposed to work. So uh, I would say that in the very first few months, there was a very steep learning curve for me, and I was at the same time preparing my first exhibition, which was concerning shelter and the refugee crisis happening across the world. And what I came to discover in the research of that exhibition was that, in fact, the museum and MoMA has long been embedded within these discourses and ideas of protecting refugee artists, of supporting refugees uh, in various capacities, historically up until the present. And so it was a very productive, I would say, moment and, and exhibition for me to, to do in as much as I was learning not only how to condense and articulate my ideas that had been, I had been working on for about eight years in various locations, but that that kind of defining of a problem or defining a question is not necessarily the same when you're making an exhibition. And they, I think they sometimes cross over each other, they are sometimes parallel with each other, but writing an essay in a book or in a journal is not the same as preparing an exhibition. And in that, I would say, too, because I didn't know many of these processes within the institution, I got to learn about the institution at the same time, both historically and, and in the present. So it was a great eight months of sheer terror and anxiety, and at the same time, sheer exhilaration. And I think you can find that within an institution like MoMA, in as much as then a curator's role is one to ask questions, is to observe and ask questions of the world, and to ultimately be a translator of ideas. How that becomes a critical or a political practice, I think is on one hand up to the curator, obviously, but on the other hand, isn't any kind of translation, be it of language in a book or of artistic and architectural and design ideas, a political or critical act as well. And so I think that my work mainly when I was teaching and, and writing uh, from the point of view of as a historian and f was from a critical perspective. Uh, critical in as much as critical is not criticism, but critical as in how do we, how do we approach these problems? How do we, uh, as societies and communities, begin to wrestle with these legacies in productive ways? And so I think any exhibition is productive 
any exhibition is going to be productive because you are not only translating these ideas and questions for an audience, but you are then opening not only yourself up as a curator, but also the institution up for a broader discussion of what those ideas might be. So that is a very long response to say that I feel that I have many ideas that are, are can or should be read through architecture. If architecture is a lens or a medium or a framework through which to understand the world, then my interests dovetail with a kind of critical historical method. And my projects up to now have not necessarily always been critical uh, in that sense, but actually for me, they are about revealing something perhaps that hasn't been seen or hasn't been considered via the lens of architecture or via the lens of art production. In certain cases. Very provocative um, and very um, clear the relationship that or the position that you found to to mediate let's say between the institution and the public through your work which is like as you mentioned the language of the exhibition in some ways. And of course I think that it's very positive this uh, position of dealing with whatever legacies, uh, pre-existing legacies or continuing legacies of these institutions that are as an opportunity to, to mine, mine the museum as Fred Wilson's project, which was quite critical, I think, in terms of questioning the narratives that are presented or contribute toward the narratives. So I think that in some ways it is a, a space where in spite of or because of these inherited legacies, you have quite a field and quite a, to mine. Uh, so, so that's, that's quite a, a wonderful position to be in. And Absolutely. of course, it's, it, it is, and I hate to interrupt, Patty, it's, mm -hmm. I feel that all curators are working from a kind of privilege, privilege in as much as you are, in one sense, presenting ideas to an audience, a much broader audience on one hand, but also you're working, whatever institution you're working in should be, and I'm not going to say that all are like this, but should be a space of liberation, of freedom, of exactitude and infinitude, if that makes any sense, mm -hmm. that you're working always from so many different scale or at so many different scales that the institution ends up becoming the container, if you will, for the transmission of these ideas. Okay, now I'm going to ask the question from a different position, right? Because, okay, so from, so I wanted to hear from your position or your different positions within the institution, this mediation with, with the audience or the public, but now asking you the question that it is the, it is the curator and the institution that chooses what should be included. So museums, especially the MoMA, Uh, and other platforms such as conferences, biennales, which are more temporal in space and time, but let's say museums are also sites of validation and aspiration for our practices, let's call them. 
So in that sense, uh, there's a lot that gets left out or that gets asked in. So there's yes. that, that relationship there, which is a space of possibility, but it also could be quite a moment of exclusion. Yes, and absolutely. Here, and of course, a curator has to select and choose, but, but I'm speaking in very political terms of what has gotten, what has been excluded in the past, and now how does one begin to problematize that moment in that space where things get excluded because of very strong legacies yeah. of exclusion, <laughs> political, racial, exactly. etc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think this is very much at the forefront of not only our institution, but uh, many throughout the world, throughout New York, most certainly. Um, you, you set up a, not an opposition, but a kind of difference between, say, the institution and, say, a Biennale or a Triennale. Um, and I would say that the, a Biennale, historically, up until today, has been a space of experimentation of in a way sometimes filling in the gaps that the other institutions haven't done thus far. And biennales on one hand could become a mirror of what is happening at a very particular moment in time, but they also can extend the stories that museums and other institutions perform. Within the museum, I would say that these exclusions are, are historical, they are embedded, sometimes they are acknowledged, sometimes they are not, but we are living in a time right now that is incredibly divisive, yet incredibly exposed. And so there is a kind of reckoning happening across institutions, for better or worse, and it is a time that is also incredibly productive, I think, for institutions, for curators, for uh, art producers uh, and people who are working in art to really take a look at oneself and take a look at the, the pathways uh, through and by which they have moved in order to reach uh, where they are at any, at any moment. That said, I, I, I think where these legacies start to get even more complex is on one hand when curators really do acknowledge and notice and see these absences and then have to perhaps articulate not that these absences are there, but how do we address the absence? Slightly, so it's slightly acknowledging that they're there, but not necessarily using the language of uh, we have to fix this, but how do we address, how do we reconsider, how do we frame these absences in the most productive way, not only for the institution, but then also for the multiple audiences that are coming, coming to face with those absences. I think it would be very easy for institutions to ignore these things. And it seems like they have done that in the past for various reasons. And those reasons might be, on one hand, the curators that were hired 
But on another hand, I would say we have to be cognizant that these absences are also uh, very much linked to histories that we ourselves have been taught and have taught each other and have performed in certain ways. So I think, you know, I when I was in architecture school, the architecture of the African continent was never, ever mentioned once. I can't think of it once ever being discussed. And that's a huge problem, indeed. Do we talk about it now? Yes, which is great. Was the architecture of, say, the Indian subcontinent ever talked about? Maybe historically, uh, with the Taj Mahal, what we're seeing now and what is transpiring again, in my opinion, is that by virtue of being able to move around the world and to see so much of the world, we are further implicating ourselves in the desire to see more and the desire for uh, from others to see more. And so it's a funny balance of how do we address these absences? How do we make exhibitions and ideas about exhibitions more more able to say compose or what would be a good word to collect for that that's a bad word but to i don't know to bring together all of these ideas in in productive ways and those are political acts as well right is the ability to see and the ability to index or, or register that which we see or, in fact, don't see, then is translated and made into an object or a space of questioning. And the questioning becomes the critical aspect. But all of this is to say that, you know, not only is it reliant on a curator or a group of curators, it's reliant on curators, individual and groups of curators, uh, to work toward these uh, these productive questionings of the world, but then also it requires the institution to say these are the questions that are critical or crucial to us right now. Otherwise, we could continue in the same pursuit of and same kinds of patterns that MoMA and other institutions have performed in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, you know, there's a great deal of responsibility on the part of not only individual curators, but also on the part of institutions to reconcile these questions, but perhaps not reconcile them only through a kind of implication from the outside that this isn't, these are discussions that aren't happening. Because I can say that they are happening, they just happen in perhaps not the ways in which other groups of people would want to see them happen. I'm not trying to to make excuses, but at the same time, I think that curators by and far, and and I work with some amazing people, know that these are questions and know that these are issues facing their individual disciplines and mediums, but also facing the institution. So it's a push and pull kind of situation. These are questions that I am interested in. In personally, and I have been for a long time, even before I entered uh, into the museum. But then you have to work within a, a kind of domain that is, on one hand, predetermined, and on the other, 
may be slightly resistant to not necessarily asking the questions, but presenting the questions mm -hmm. to the uh, to its audiences. I think that's changing, though. Mm -hmm. Oh, definitely. I, I do believe that the the playing field is changing. In some ways, my my interest in in this discussion about uh, institutions, um, as I call them, of validation and in, and aspiration. It's also to, to balance the playing field in terms of creating new types of institutions or, or alternative institutions or anti-institutions. So they all uh, have a, a role to play because as much as uh, the curator or the establishment is willing and, uh, and has the means to address a lot of these absences or a lot of what they believe are, are interesting subjects to, to put forth, there's a lot of that gets excluded or the access to these institutions is very limited and will continue to be limited on a global scale. So yeah. in some ways, it is about also thinking about other ways to complement, to counter, to collaborate with um, these various um, institutions, let's call it. I can't think of another word because they are, they, their name fits them very well. And, and this, is, this experiment that we're doing with Aaron Praxis is really what can we do uh, as we question what kind of institutions we need, say, we uh, practitioners, architects, creatives in the, in the African continent, what new or different aspects or different forms of institution do we need or, or establishments yeah. or whatever the structure of this thing, morphing yeah. thing, it needs to be something right. morphing these days. It needs to be something that is in flux, that, is, that you almost cannot contain in a name or in a, in a framework, but that it also provides you with with the support and with the platform for doing and for aspiring and for engaging in global discourses about the things that are important to us. So it, it's an open-ended question, <laughs> but it is about what would it look like? What would this entity, you know, this morphing entity look like? Right. I think that it's an open-ended question. I don't know if you want to comment on it, but is this recognizing this need to also that the burden is also not only on these institutions that are already established, uh, right. although there is a burden there, but that other yeah. things need to be happening and even beyond Absolutely. the experimentations of BNLs, which also have yeah. their own legacies. You know, I, I absolutely agree in the notion that there can be and should be alternatives to the monolithic institution, meaning that there is, say, one center from which ideas in that and from that institution radiate outward, and that institutions, say, the, the complementary or the shadow or parallel institution, whatever you want to call it, that pushes against the kind of monolithic nature of them is incredibly difficult on one hand, but also incredibly productive and revealing as well. 
because I think too often, uh, historically, doesn't matter if it was a large institution or an, a university for that matter, the public, however we want to co uh, constitute that public, couldn't necessarily intersect with or affect the decision-making of the institution. That is changing, and that's changing very visibly and uh, very to mixed results as well. Because I think also we're in a, in a moment in which the visibility of these multiple publics begins to register or incite a kind of agency that formerly was housed solely within the institution itself. So we see agency happening uh, or transpiring in different ways, but they're not necessarily always fighting with each other, but they are in a way bouncing off each other or orbiting uh, mm -hmm. around each other. The origin of institutions and their creation were, on one hand, mirrors of the societies or communities in which they were located, and by virtue of that, operated from the point of view that they were, in and of themselves, a reflection of a broader goal or a broader idea or an extension of a broader goal or an idea. And in that presence, they also have a very varying degrees of power, power located within them, but power also presented to the world and affecting the world. I think to the earlier question about the possibility for alternative kinds of institutions allows for the idea that one can question and pose the question about the relative scope of that power, both within the institution and outside of, of the institution. And do I, for instance, think that biennales and other forms of art production like these affect the institution? Well, they do, because quite often curators and others will find or see work that then is brought into the institution. So there's a kind of re uh, reciprocity. The problem with institutions, fundamentally, is when reciprocity is not possible, or is not revealed, or is not produced. And that's when the kind of closing down of the institution from the outside, uh, or seen from the outside, becomes very problematic. Because that is when those same communities and same societies in, in which the museum or the institution has been created is no longer reflecting the ideals that they were created with. And so you see that kind of struggle on one hand with the, you know, the fact that institutions require funding, they require a large degree of participation, both within and outside of them, financial and otherwise. And as they expand, both physically and ideologi ideologically, and then also metaphorically throughout the world, I think that institutions have to always be cognizant of where and how their power is translated and made visible. Absolutely. Only one point as we wrap up that I, I wanted to make is that I actually, you mentioned the Biennale 
as um, outside institution and for me biennials are also themselves an institution in in many ways but but i understand the difference between the two so it's just another degree of then something else that comes and and then bounces off the biennial and 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 so on and so forth well no i would also just say to that Pati, i think it's a very good point is that Art institutions or cultural institutions like biennales are also wrapped up in an, in an economics mm-hmm. and market systems that have an effect as well. I think there was a time where, where art, say, that would enter into any collection of a museum fundamentally altered that artist's or art value. I think that is, mm-hmm. is still the case uh, in many ways but perhaps not as specific or as defining as it used to be. Mm-hmm. But these are systems of value and mm-hmm. value creation and mm-hmm. value making. And those values can be also emotional or intellectual. Mm-hmm. And when we start to counter or, or make the kind of counter argument toward what is or isn't valuable, is when institutions get in trouble. (laughs) Absolutely. On that note, I just want to say that I value very much your time and your generous sharing of your ideas. My pleasure. Thank you. you.